Morning Liberty. Well, welcome back to another perfect episode of Good Morning Liberty. A great and beautiful episode this will be. Sorry, I was just practicing my uh, Trump well, impression well, right there. Well, we, we make no mistakes. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> Guys, before we get going, you have to hit that subscribe button. It's a little bitty button, probably purple. If you're using Apple, says subscribe. If you hit that, it's going to send our show directly to your phone. Now, why should I do something like that? Well, one, do you care about liberty? I mean, that's probably a yes. Do you even liberty, bro? Do you liberty like we do? Probably yeah. not. But you can listen to us, Liberty, every single day right here on the Good Morning Liberty podcast. <laughs> so hit that subscribe button and tell a friend. So we have to... Oh, by the way, I'm Nate, and Charlie is the other guy. Yeah. Goku okay. Knew. Now that we got that out yeah. of the way, um, that we need to talk about a couple things. One of them is going to be... Bernie Sanders releasing his plan for a wealth tax. Bum, bum, bum. Now, Elizabeth Warren already had a plan for a wealth tax. This is Bernie basically taking her plan, much like he took AOC's plan for the Green New Deal. Is he out of socialist revelations? I guess so. I don't know what's going on, but I... I if, if Warren's plan has anything to do with building a bunch of Indian casinos, yeah. and there's one in Nashville, I'm behind that. Yeah, I'm, go I'm cool with that. Yeah. Totally fine. Um, what we, <laughs> so we have to talk about the wealth tax, whether or not that's a good idea. Um, spoiler alert, it's not. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about impeachment, Donald Trump's Potential impeachment coming from the House of Representatives. You know, great, Nate. Why don't you just give everybody the spoilers at the beginning? I'm sorry. You have to listen to the episode. I don't mean to spoil it for you, but we're going to make the clear case for why a wealth tax is a terrible idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we need to listen to the case. Well, yeah, you need to listen to the case. That way, when you're having a conversation with your, you know, Bernie Sanders socialist friend that you still hang out with, uh, and they start talking about the wealth tax, you can be like, um, well, what about this? And let them just kind of flail around trying to come up with a good answer for it. Exactly. So, yeah. We're going to make well, sure that you're informed and ready for that conversation. And part of this podcast, you know, it's, it's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And, and entrenched in all of that is that the liberty message is, is a hard sell. Like you guys that listen to us, you guys are unique. Um, and the people that we've gotten at, to convert, let's say, uh, really, a really unique crowd. And so the whole point of of listening to the case, right. That we, that we have before we get to the spoiler, let's say, of whether, whether things are good ideas or not, you know, it reminds me of have a lot of conversations with my brother and I had one with him today who is a, well, he's now a libertarian socialist. Yeah. That's um, totally a thing. So he moved from uh, staunch communism, I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> well, more socialist. Yeah. He's uh, a big Bernie supporter. Still is, yeah. still is, but Hey, he, he's, I've got him to where he doesn't like government very much. So that's good. Yeah. And the thing about the conversations are, is that you're not going to convert anybody overnight and you need to keep listening to shows like ours and, and other liberty promoting shows so that you are have the right messaging when you go to talk to people because that's the most important thing is you have to get people to discuss ideas uh, that they can understand and comprehend based on how they perceive the world and so when we talk to you about how we uh, conceive these ideas and we talk about the problems that are going on in the world like trump's impeachment or the wealth tax that you have the tools necessary to be able to instill ideas like I have with my brother uh, to where eventually you're moving the needle slowly. You're not going to win converts overnight. 
It's a slow process that, that happens by instilling an idea in their own head where eventually they realize that the ultimate destruction comes from government and not normal, regular people. And that liberty is the best way forward. I like it. I like it. That's a good case. It's a, it's a really, that's what we're going to be doing our presentation on at the Young Americans for Liberty Convention exactly. this weekend. So well, that's going to uh, be a deeper dive on personalities. I d- yeah. I didn't really mention yeah. that part because it's takes a little while to get through. Yeah. But, but maybe sometime we can do the presentation on the podcast because it is about a 45 minute long presentation. Yeah. So we could do that. Might as well do that. Put it up on the YouTubes. <clears throat> so is Trump going to get impeached? You think? No. No. Like full impeachment? No. No. Yeah, I was uh, I've been looking up some information on this. You know, was there, that a spoiler? <laughs> that maybe, yeah. There's never been a president that was impeached and removed from office. Like, yeah. that's never happened. Um and this is the 45th president now? Something like that. So. Yeah. Um so this it's really just a lot of political theater in my estimation. But you know, they got this information, this whole Ukraine scandal going on if you've been living under a rock, and you haven't heard anything about it. Um, we've got this scandal where, where the alleged crime here is that Trump was threatening to withhold our foreign aid to the Ukraine uh, in return for them investigating something about Joe Biden. So he was trying to get dirt on Joe Biden, and allegedly he was trying to withhold money from the U.S. government um, in return for getting them to do that. So if he did that, let me just ask you that, Charlie. If he did that, do you think that he needs to be removed from office? Um, if, yes, if Trump, because I believe in surveillance, right? Or, or I, I, Well, I believe in targeted surveillance. So if, if a president or anybody from the executive branch that, which includes the, uh, the DOJ or anybody that's wanting to collect any type of information on someone in regards to a crime, they have to get a warrant. Yeah. And so if there's not a warrant and, and the executive branch is issuing an investigation, um, to collect data or records or, question someone they have to have a warrant well what if he's just trying to get information based on things that happened in the ukraine you know with their government hey do you have do you guys have some stuff that you know joe biden did with his son and everything that went on over there like do you guys have some kind of information over what went down in in your country yes he would need a warrant because um he biden and his son are both american citizens that afforded the rights yeah yeah Okay. Of uh, unreasonable searches and seizures. Yeah, I would. So there has to be submit. Uh, there has to be um, a suspicion of a crime being committed. This is what the whole thing. Look, one thing I like about this is that the Democrats are actually standing up for the for the whistleblower, whatever this guy has to say. Which we won't know the full, um, I guess, testimony of that. I, I believe I saw something on Twitter where one of the representatives, Adam Schiff, had said that the whistleblower is wanting to testify before Congress and is trying to get in touch with people to figure out how to do that. I guess they have to do it classified or declassified or something. I don't know. There's a whole proceeding with all this classified garbage. Um, I'm not saying America shouldn't have some secrets, but they shouldn't have all the ones that it does. And if you're going to investigate a, an American citizen, then that American citizen is afforded every single right. It doesn't matter where the crime was committed. Now, does the executive, does Trump have the right to investigate this? Absolutely. 
But before you go about getting any information, you better have a judge sign off that there's probable cause. Yeah. The, That's the, the checks and balances. <clears throat> That's what you're promised in the Constitution. And my issue with this, as far as where the Democrats are coming from, is that we don't have any... We do not have any proof as to whether or not this actually took place. As in, like he said, I'm not going to give you this money unless you investigate. So we don't have that yet. And that's um, called quid pro quo. It's yeah. Latin for uh, bribery, yeah. basically. I I am going to give you this if you if you do this. Or I'm going to withhold this if yeah. you don't do this. Yeah. So um, we don't have information on him doing that. Now we do have transcript of the phone call. And yeah, I... I tend to come down on kind of what Ben Shapiro said on this, where if you go into reading the transcript from the phone call thinking that Trump is doing some kind of bribery, then you can read that from it. And if you go into it thinking that he didn't do this, then you can read that from it. So a lot of this is going to be, uh, once again, just down the lines of what your political affiliation is. And I think both parties are betting on this. You know, the... The the Democrats are going to move forward with impeachment in the House, and they will probably vote uh, for impeachment in Congress. That's that's probably going to go through, and they'll do it just in time for the election. You know, probably we'll finish that within a month or so of the election, more than likely. Uh, so don't think for one second that this doesn't all have to do with the fact that we're coming up on a presidential election. And the other thing I would say not to forget is that this is good for the Republicans too, in my, in my opinion, because, um, people who like Trump and people who don't think that he did this or don't care that he did like no one's, they're not going to care what comes out from this phone call. Um, if he goes and gets impeached by the house, that's only going to strengthen the amount of people who are going to go make sure that they go vote that way. He doesn't get removed or that way. Um, you know, the Democrats don't get their way. I think this plays out in both parties' favors. Um, got an email from the Libertarian Party today. They sent out the big email, and basically it was, uh, it was Dan Fishman, who we met, we met at the last Young Americans for Liberty convention. Really nice guy. Um, it, it was him saying that, you know, he remembers the lead-up to Nixon getting impeached and, uh, or the impeachment proceedings leading up to that, and, you know, of course— that's not what happened. And then uh, he remembers Clinton getting impeached. And then, of course, he wasn't removed from office. And you can go all the way back to 1886 when um, Andrew uh, Jackson was impre- was impeached. And um, and then, you know, that that also that that also led to nothing. So we've had three people where they started where they started impeachment proceedings and nothing ever came from it. So that, and I mean Andrew Johnson, by the way, not Andrew Jackson. That's not quite, we didn't go quite that far back in history. So um, anyway, um, so these people have all been impeached and they didn't get removed from office. So the idea is it doesn't matter if he gets impeached or not. Like he's not going to get removed from office because the Senate is not going to vote for impeachment and, and removal from office. So there's just like a lot of political theater and political grandstanding going on right now. That's all it really is. That's all it is because they know that nothing is going to come from this impeachment other than making their case for election look better. And the Republicans know the same thing. You know, it's a, it's a lot like you remember when you remember when the Republicans were in control of Congress and president Obama was in power and how they voted to repeal Obamacare like a hundred times. It's, it's a lot like that. They could vote to repeal 
Obamacare about a hundred times, and then once they got complete power of the of Congress, the Senate, and the presidency, they never voted to repeal Obamacare. They had two years. Yeah, they had two years to vote to repeal Obamacare, and they didn't do it once. Nope. They did it a hundred times when they knew that it couldn't actually happen. So that was just a lot of them just kind of positioning themselves as the people who are very constitutional and really care about the overreach of government, all the power of the federal government. And, and then once, once the uh, time actually came for them to do something, nothing happened. So political and theater. The same thing with Clinton. I mean, the Republicans voted to impeach Clinton in the House. It went to the Senate and was killed because the Senate was controlled by the Democratic Party. And so hoorah-rah, the Republicans won the next presidential uh, election. <laughs> That's exactly what played out. Yeah. And so yeah. now, of course, you know, Bill Clinton did some awful things and that's absolutely true. Um, I would, I don't know. I, I think I would consider uh, sexual assault by a, by a, an authority figure, definitely high crimes and misdemeanors, but it was still a political game. Yeah. Is what it was. Ended and, up just getting him from perjury is what, what they got him for. But, right. um, cause he, uh, he lied. Did not have <laughs> sexual relations with that woman that was pretty good that was pretty good just busting out a clinton just, impression just right, right there. there yeah okay well, well you said you go back and forth and read different sides i saw this uh tweet from adam shift and i'm going to read a little bit of what he said and then a little bit from the actual transcript um adam shift's take on the whole thing and he is a representative from God, New York. Where's Adam Schiff from? Look no that clue. up while I'm talking about this. I thought that he was like a uh, an analyst or someone, but I, I'm You're thinking, thinking of, of Peter Schiff. Think... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was th- I was thinking of Adam Schefter. <laughs> oh no, no, this is Adam Schiff. <laughs> yeah. Um, he he said the transcript of the call reads a lot like a classic mob shakedown. We do a lot for Ukraine. This is basically Trump talking, is what he's paraphrasing here. Uh, we do a lot for Ukraine. There's not much reciprocity. I have a favor to ask. Investigate my opponent. My people will be in touch. Nice country you got there. It would be a shame if something happened to her. (laughs) Which is not at all what the transcript reads. If you want to take it from that, as you said, Nate, then you could take it from that. But Trump did say, I mean, he kind of alluded to the fact that, hey, we do a lot for Ukraine and Ukraine doesn't do much for us. Um, that goes for every country, by the way. Yeah, we do yeah. a lot for everybody, and no one does anything for us. Uh, it's one of the things that liberty people harp on. It's like, why are we sending all this god dang money out to everyone else, and we are twenty two trillion dollars in debt? Why do we police the world? Why do we do all these ridiculous things? And so Trump said, "Hey, uh, I will say that we do a lot for Ukraine." This I'm reading, I'm quoting here from the transcript. We spend a lot of effort and a lot of time, much more than the European countries are doing, and they should be helping you more than they are. Then he blasts Germany and uh, said he had a call with Angela Merkel. Merkel? Um, And she talks Ukraine, but she doesn't do anything. A lot of European countries are the same way, so I think it's something you want to look at. But the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say that it's reciprocal necessarily, because things are happening that are not good. But the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. So he was, which is a true statement. It has nothing to do unless you're reading into it. You're adding words. Well, and, and you're adding a, a different connotation. And President Zelensky's response has nothing to do with, 
with anything except thank you for your support. And we will continue to cooperate and we appreciate everything that you guys have done. And, you know, what do you say? Um, he wanted to buy more javelin from the United States for defense purposes. So it's like, it had nothing to do with any type of things that the Democrats are actually alluding to. Yeah, that's one thing that came out was it really didn't get into Joe Biden really at all in that transcript. So there's going to have to be... Well, okay, so here's the thing about Biden. Yeah. So this is the next response from President Trump. He said, I would like you to do us a favor, though. So he is asking for a favor. But he didn't say specifically what it was or anything like that. He said, because our country has been through a lot, and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say crowd strike. I didn't look that up, by the way. What's crowd strike with a capital C? Uh, look that up, too. Um, they say crowd strike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server. They say Ukraine has it. There are a lot of things that went on the whole... Um, there are a lot of things that went on the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would like to have the attorney general call you or your people, and I would like you to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, that whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller, an incompetent performance. <laughs> but they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible. Now, he didn't say... Like, I'm requesting any information. He didn't say, uh, when you figure it out, call me and let me know. Uh, he didn't say anything. He just, he just said it's important that you get to the bottom of it and whatever situation it is. Um, there's no context around that. So unless there's other some kind of secret communication that we're not seeing or maybe that wasn't declassified, maybe the whistleblower knows more and there's more specifics, but... Based on this alone, I don't how you I don't know how you go forward with impeachment proceedings. Yeah, in which they are starting a impeachment inquiry uh, is is what's going on. So they are going to start investigating. Basically, uh, I'm sure it will be a while before they vote for the impeachment. That will, like I said, that will probably take place a, a little bit closer to the election, more than likely. Um, so they're going to start this entire this entirely new investigation and trial because the whole Russia thing you know, that died out. They didn't find anything from that. So now they need to fill up the next year with this investigation. So uh, I think that's where they're going to go with it. I think the House will vote to impeach him. I think the Senate will not. And then we will be left with the same presidential election at the end of next year. And that's that's all we got. Yeah. And, then, you know, maybe this is a power move, though. Maybe the Democrats do get somebody in because of the people that are on the fence about Trump. Maybe this will be the, the bugaboo that gets their vote. I think people have already made their mind up about Trump re regardless. I don't, I don't think this is going to change anyone's minds. It might get some more people out to vote possibly, but I mean, is this going to instill some more doubt or hatred towards Trump than what there already is? You know, I don't, I don't know if it can really hurt him. It's really, I mean, it's really the what? The 8% people that are usually on the fence every election? Yeah, yeah. So You're trying uh, to get that vote. <clears throat> we'll be looking at that. And, and one of the things playing in Trump's favor is going to be this wealth tax that Bernie Sanders is talking about. Uh, because a lot of the other Democratic candidates have a plan for this, and I'm sure they'll end up asking Joe Biden about it too if he ends up if he ends up being the actual candidate that goes against Trump. And so Bernie Sanders came out with this this brand spanking new plan that is literally just modeled off of Elizabeth Warren's plan, uh, where you know if you have wealth uh, over a certain amount, <clears throat> there's just going to be yearly tax on that wealth. You know, yeah. Um, 
this is a this is a really big problem and, and let me uh <clears throat> sorry let me tell you kind of what the details are on this because they actually laid out for each income bracket or each wealth bracket um what the percentage was going to be that they were going to be taking from you so it's important that we that we kind of keep track of this because it says a one percent tax on households with a net worth of more than 32 million uh, 2% on households with a net worth of 50 million to 250 million, uh, 3% from 250 million to 500 million, 4% over 500 million to a billion. And the tax would eventually cap out at 8% on wealth above <clears throat> 10 billion. So here's your wealth tax. And I also wanted to talk about something that Bernie Sanders posted on his Facebook page. So he posted this thing saying, how much would billionaires owe this year under our tax on extreme wealth? Now we have to talk about extreme wealth, not just normal wealth. <laughs> you know, this is extreme. This is when wealth gets too extreme. Can we? When keeping it wealthy goes wrong. That, that's, <laughs> that's what we're talking about right now. Can we tax the government <clears throat> on its extreme revenues? Yeah, I think we should. Like, hey, you guys took too much money. We just want to take a little bit back. <laughs> a government tax. A, a people tax on the government. Yeah. Um, he named off all these wealthy people. Of course, he needed to, to name off some people that you weren't going to like. So he says the Walton family will pay $14.8 billion this year under his wealth tax. Now, is that going off their net worth of $191 billion? Going off of their net. If you, whatever so this is no longer an income tax. This is... this is whatever your net worth is. It is a tax on that. Okay. Um, so $14.8 billion for the Walton family, $8.9 billion for Jeff Bezos. 5.5 billion for Mark Zuckerberg, 3.2 billion for Charles Koch. Um, let's see, Rupert Murdoch would pay 1.3 billion, and Sheldon Adelson, which uh, Adelson, which I don't even know who that is, honestly, sorry, uh, would pay 2.6 billion. So he posts Charles Koch. <clears throat> is this the one that's alive? Yes, that okay. would be the one remaining. Um, the problem with this, just right already, off, sorry, they already taxed. David the, Coke. Yeah, they probably took a little bit of his uh, estate, in, in I death. would say. Yeah, and his estate and death taxes. Yeah. Um, the problem with this, he names off these numbers right here from all these families. Well, you could do the quick math on all that all that money right there. It's going to be about $38 billion is what he just named off right there. And those are the like the wealthiest people in our, in our country right there. The numbers just keep getting smaller from there. So there's like $38 billion right there. That's enough to run the government for like 75 hours. Like, that's it. That's it. Maybe 80 hours. Something like that. But we would be taking this much wealth from all these people. Basically two work weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and we'll just be taking that, and the government's going to spend it um, really, really, really quickly. Um, after that, the issue is, he, also, he literally said that this will reduce their net worth by 50%. It's going to take half of their net worth, half of their wealth, in 15 years. He, he admitted that. Well, it's actually going to be more <clears> than <throat> that because their net worth is going to go down, which actually everything else goes down. Yeah. yeah. Because like Jeff Bezos, when he pulls out $8.9 to pay his taxes... Amazon stock goes down. Yeah, and his net worth goes down at his that time. His net too. worth goes down. So there's a, there's a, um, what do you call it? A, um, like an APR. There's a, per, um, 
a compounding yeah. effect <clears throat> well, that's, of taking this money. That goes along with a lot of things the government does is they make projections based on the current net worth right here. And that's what the money is going to be brought in. But they're not taking into account how much these people's net worth is going to decrease while this is happening. And then how much is going to decrease just because stock prices are decreasing. Uh, that's the other thing we'll talk about. So he said uh, half of their net worth is going to be gone in 15 years. So he's admitting that this is going to be depleting the people's net worth. So they're not going to be able to keep up with the tax. It's going to be depleting their net worth, their net worth over this time. My question is, um, why didn't he give us a 30 year figure? Um, probably because that one would be really, really, really damning for this idea because under that logic, all of their net worth will be gone if by it's that cut time. Half in fifteen years, that yeah. means that it's going to be zero, and it's going to be faster than that anyway. Right. So th the reason he didn't give you a thirty-year figure is because then all of those people would be at zero, and then they would be left with no money to take from anyone at that point in time, yep. and a lot of programs that they have to pay for. So they're they're not going to give you a long-term plan, but the simple logic would tell you, okay, if it's going to decrease their net worth by 50% over the next 15 years, um, eventually one of those years, their net worth is going to hit zero if that keeps going. So it's it's one of the things they're not wanting to show you is it actually reminds me of the idea of the book <clears throat> Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, and that idea is uh, presenting a world where basically all of the productive people have been either destroyed or been pushed out of the country or pushed away from the world. That there's no there's no longer any incentive to be productive and to gain your wealth. Therefore, we've lost all of the things that these people have provided us with. I mean, look at these the Walton family. Okay, so Walmart that's a pretty big deal. Walmart, whether you like them or not, has really really helped the economy. The studies show that. Uh, the average family saves about $2,500 per year simply because Walmart exists. Oh, that's what uh, Obamacare was going to save everybody. Yeah, yeah. Only this one's real. Oh, okay. Yeah. This one actually, this is actual <clears throat> result, results. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos. Okay, so Amazon. Um, so then there's no more incentive to create Amazon at that point in time when you're no longer allowed to gather any kind of worth. Let's talk about that. So if Jeff Bezos would have known about the wealth tax, he'd have been like, yeah, no reason to start Amazon. So imagine if somebody of Jeff Bezos's caliber uh, decides, nah, it's not worth starting Amazon because if I reach the goals I want to reach, well, then I don't, I end up with zero. So I'm not even going to start it. Now imagine if Amazon would have never been started. Yeah. And that good God, that's something life would suck. That would be terrible. I mean, we can get things within like an hour here delivered to your house. Yes. So it's amazing. It, I got really prime cool. now. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that's one thing that people miss out on is this idea that people are just going to continue to make these big investments and take really big risks when we take away the rewards for those risks. So these people, when they decide that they're going to take out millions of dollars in loans and risk all that money to start a company and, and take investments from other people, and then that means all those people are risking money, um, when you take away the potential benefit from all of that investment – then you end up taking away the investment because it's no longer worth the risk. And things don't get created. Yeah, and then things just don't get created. There's just a lot of things that we take for granted when we talk about this because would Sam Walton had cre have created Walmart and been employing millions of people and have cheaper prices on all of our day-to-day -day goods 
if he could not have reaped the rewards from that? Would Jeff Bezos have started Amazon? You know, would would Henry Ford had created the assembly line if he could not make any kind of wealth off of that? You know, there there's all these things that we don't take into account, really. And you actually see <clears throat> this play out right now in present day Venezuela in a way. Because the reason why Venezuela is in the predicament that they're in is because the government had decided that the oil companies there were making too much in profits and they weren't sharing it. So what did they do? They went full on and they didn't just do a wealth tax. They went full on and just took control of the oil companies. And they decided to take the profits that they were making off of oil and redistribute them out into the economy. And everybody was happy for a while until they ran out of money. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what happens. That's what happens. If, if you, you don't continue to invest and innovate and be, become more efficient uh, with those, with the profits that you're getting and you're just spending them like they're burning a freaking hole in your pocket, then that's exactly what happens. Eventually you run out of money. You know, we and just, that's what the government's going to do here. We just did this podcast talking about, about Bill Gates and it makes me think about, you know, if this idea is a good idea, then put this idea in place in, in 1980, put this, put this idea in place in 1980. Um, right now, Bill Gates is curing diseases in Africa. He is uh, reinventing, you know, toilets so they can have a sanit- sanitary sewage systems over there. He's, um, you know, literally almost almost eradicated polio. He's reinvented nuclear technology, which might end up being the answer to the whole potential climate change problem. Now you put this, if we can get those climate activists to listen (laughs) to real solutions. Now he's been able to do that spending about $3 billion a year through the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. The issue is if you put this plan in place in 1980, then Bill Gates has no money to spend on all of that stuff at, at all. Even if he got to acquire all of that net worth, it would have all been depleted by now. So the, the issue there is you, you it's kind of a, the law of the, the unseen, really. You know, it's hard to prove things that are that you can't tell. You know, when you have high taxes and high minimum wage and and high corporate taxes, you can't really prove the businesses that didn't get created. You know, but but what you can it's do It's kinda of like sending out a survey yeah. to all the companies and asking them which ones survived or or what was the what was that survey? Well, the, the which ones? Uh, <laughs> oh, which ones had to decrease their hours and stuff like that? And it's like, well, the the companies you didn't get the survey are the ones that disappeared. Yeah, I mean, if you just <laughs> send out um, <clears throat> send out a survey to uh, Seattle, Washington, to all of the businesses in Seattle, and on the survey it says, "Were you able to survive the minimum wage hike?" A hundred percent of them are going to say yes. Yeah, so, right. the, so therefore, the min- minimum wage hike did not hurt anyone. The problem is who you did not survey were the businesses that no longer exist. Exactly. So the, that's kind of the the issue here. So excuse the data. What what I like to do is take this plan and put it in place in 1980. You can clearly look at all the things that Bill Gates is doing to help a lot of people, and he would not be able to do any of those things. Look at what Elon Musk is doing with electric vehicle technology, with SpaceX, all of these things that are really helping people, creating innovations that they're we can They're trying use. to bring the internet to everybody for free. Yeah, they're, Him he's, and Bezos both. He's launching hundreds. Actually, 
the two, one of the two, some of the richest people are actually in competition with each other to try to bring free internet to everybody. Yeah, they're they're what launching hundreds of satellites in into space to provide broadband internet to everyone in the world. Now they would not be able to do that if this wealth tax would have been in place from the time that they started gathering their work, their net wealth. To me, that's mind-boggling just to think about. Like yeah, you have two rich people in competition with each other to bring people. Well, I, I say free internet. It's the cheapest internet that you can possibly imagine at the fastest speeds, uninhib- uh, uninhibitable <clears throat> to where you live. Well, and it's it not, doesn't matter. It's not even just that it's the cheapest internet. I mean, it's internet to places that can't have internet right it's, now. That's you what know? I'm saying. It doesn't matter where you live. Yeah. It's, um, it's just, and the fact that that even exists, if that doesn't bring you like towards capitalism, I don't know what will. Like if, if that doesn't excite you about the possibilities that we're achieving through this greedy evil system the fact that two people who have a lot of money are in competition with each other to bring uh, the cheapest internet ever to the entire world i mean that's just mind-boggling now here's the next problem that gets me excited and this is the biggest problem i'm saving the biggest problem for last right okay. now all right boom 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 this net worth if you just were to take jeff bezos do you know what the issue is with taxing his net worth you're taxing the company because Jeff Bezos, his net worth is not in money that's sitting in the bank. The 90% of Jeff Bezos's worth is in his ownership of Amazon stock. Mm-hmm. Meaning, so my question is, how do you tax that? Because he doesn't actually have the money. The the Now, you were just talking about, I'll lay out two scenarios here. You were just talking about Venezuela and them taking over the companies. This could very well be them taking the government being able to take over some of the companies because if your net worth is in stock and you don't actually have the cash to pay to them for the net worth, then you can transfer over shares to the government. Or they'll force you to transfer over shares. Or they'll force you to. to There's no like you can. So that's instead of cashing them in and paying in cash. So that's one way that they would be able to slowly take over all industry at that point in time. Actual ownership of all of the industries, not just regulation over them. The other thing that would have to happen is if this wealth tax were to be put in place, Jeff Bezos, the Walton family, I know that, yeah, their net worth is really, really high, but they do not have this money sitting in the bank. They have it sitting in stock and ownership in their companies. The Walton family owns 51% of Walmart. That equals about $150 billion. Their total net worth is about $190 billion. So after a few years, they're not going to have any more cash in the bank. They're going to have to start selling Walmart stock. Now, the issue is, this can go into a little bit of stock market conversation here, but <clears throat> the stock market's really just supply and demand. That's, that's, that's all it is. There's a fixed amount of stock shares available. A lot of people don't know that, but there's every company has a fixed amount of shares. And that happens when you start your company. Yeah. When you incorporate, you issue a starting share amount. So yeah. most people do about a million shares or 10 million shares or whatever. And those shares start out at $0 worth of worth. If Nate and I, um, you know, start a corporation or whatever, we could initiate a hundred shares or 10,000 shares or whatever. And your ownership in that company depends on how many shares you have based on the percentage. So this is how they get value because they have the value based on the money that they're bringing in, uh, money they have in the bank, their potential earnings in the future. They have all these calculations done, uh, to have their price per share basically. So Let's just break it down to a really, really easy way to think about this. If your company has 100 shares available 
and the mal- the market values your company at $100, then each share is going to be worth $1. Okay? So that's what's going on in the stock market. That's easy peasy. All the time. There you go. Now, if it decreases to where people are only willing to pay $0.80 cents for it, or the market values your company at $80, is what that would be saying, and you still have the same 100 shares available, then the stock price goes down to $0.80 cents per share at that point in time. Now, the issue with this is you would be introducing more shares into the market without increasing the demand or the money supply available to buy those shares. So right now people are buying from a, a pool of public shares that, are, that is a fixed amount and then just say the Walton family owns 51%. So in this scenario, you would say there's 101 shares that the Walton family owns and there's 100 shares available to the public that are getting traded all the time. And then their, their value... Uh, Walmart's value is $201. So therefore all of those stocks, all of those stock shares are priced at $1 a piece because that's a 201 shares. And that's based off of the hundred shares that are constantly trading hands on the public market. Now the problem is when the Walton family needs to come up with money to pay this wealth tax, they're going to take 20 of those shares that they have and put them onto the market. The issue behind that is that the demand did not change. The supply increased and the demand and the value of the company did not change. So now where there used to be 100 shares on the open market, now there's 120 shares on the open market, and there's the same pool of money available, the same demand for that company, the same worth of the company available at that point in time. So what has to happen? The share price has to go down because now you've got more shares available for a company that is worth the same amount of money. And you want people to buy them. So the issue here, and I actually wrote an article on this, a wealth tax it, it will be detrimental to people's retirement portfolios. De- detrimental is a safe word. That is a, I'm being generous when I, when I say that. Because these owners of these companies will have to continue dumping their shares on the open market every single year to pay this wealth tax. They're going to keep flooding the market with stock share supply, and the demand for those shares is going to stay the same. The other issue is, as these people have less and less ownership of the companies, the actual net worth of the company, the value that people find in the company might go down. Because what if the fact that Jeff Bezos owns a lot of Amazon, what if that makes people see Amazon as more valuable? And what if once Jeff Bezos is down to almost no net worth in Amazon stock, people are like, uh, you know, I don't really trust all these other people that are investors in Amazon. I trusted Jeff Bezos, but he doesn't own the company anymore. Now he's got like nothing left in Amazon. I don't really think Amazon's worth what I used to think they're worth, you know? So now the actual net worth of the company goes down, which then still kills the worth of the people that are trying to sell their stock to be able to pay off the wealth tax. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Well, and let's keep playing down your hypothetical scenario here with Walmart. You know, they have 201 shares, as you mentioned, a dollar a share, and the Walton family owes 101 of them. If they have to put 20 of those in the market and the share price goes down, the share price goes down not just on the shares that are made available to the public. That's every single share. Mm -hmm. And so let's say, you know, the Walton family has a net worth of $101 because they have, you know, $1, 101 shares. Exactly. Well, they take 20 of those shares and they sell it. Um, And so they put those on the open public market. Well, to get people to buy them, that reduces the stock price, goes down, let's say, 10 cents. Yeah. And so now they now own, uh, instead of 101, they have 81 shares. And instead of it being a dollar, 
each share to be able to sell the 20 that they needed to sell to pay their wealth tax. There is now 120, yeah, 120 shares in the public market, but it all reduced by 10, uh, 10 cents. And so now there's only 90 cents a share. Well, not only did their net worth go down because they had to sell the 20 shares, it went down another 10 cents, another 10% yeah. because the stock price went down 10%. And so their remaining net worth isn't $80. No. It's, 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 it's like a 70, 72. 78. Something like that. 78. Nine times eight. Yeah. 90 cents times 80. Yeah. Be $78. It's not $80. So now they only have $78 instead of the $80 that it would be. So, and then that keeps happening. That's what I was meaning by it's a, um, it's a dog chasing its tail is what it is. Right. All the way down. Well, and that's what I mean by it being a, uh, not progressive is not the right word. What, what word did I use? Um, regressive. Well, it's regressive, <laughs> but it's also compounding. That's what I meant. Yeah. It, it's a compounding effect. And because each time they do that, each time they sell 20 shares and the next time they may have to sell 25 because now their stock's worth less. And so it's just a, it's a compounding problem a dog chasing his tail uh the 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 head of the snake eating its own body whatever you want to call it uh eventually right eventually you get down to where you're eating yourself enough to where you're eating your own head and then it's then it's gone the question is what what happens when all of these people's net worth is gone by these calculations their net worth will be gone in like 30 to 40 years and uh and then what you also, know? and this, and then it would never happen anyway. Yeah. Because people with money, they're all going to move to Geneva and they won't have to pay the taxes anymore. Yeah. They'll still own the company and, uh, they just will, they'll live somewhere else. They'll move Most, the company to Ireland. That's, exactly. That's what they'll do. Yep. And they'll still ship all the stuff over. It'll be a little more expensive for everybody, um, because what's we'll pay shipping costs now across seas. Yeah. But they're not going to do this. It'll, it'll never happen. It's just, it's another political theater because people with money don't. They just don't sit there and get fleeced. It never happens. You know, it's stuff like this. It's things like what Bernie Sanders is proposing that I'll come out in a little bit of defense of the Trump tax cuts and where people are saying that they haven't really been where people aren't repatriating their money. You know, people aren't moving back to the U.S. Well, look at what they have to look forward to right now. You know, if you're why would. OK, Trump lowered the taxes. That's going to last for about six to eight years something like that mm -hmm. and then someone like this might be in office so why would i bring my money back to the u.s this is the mindset of the people in the u.s you, i mean we've said it before bezos looks at a 200 year timeline yeah so it's not a he's not looking at oh trump tax cuts now i can move everything back to the united states it's like well what's going to happen in in 50 years right or who's going to be in power you know, what, what side is going to control it? The side that's going to raise taxes or lower taxes in 10 years or 20 years, whatever. These companies are looking a lot further in the future, right? Because it's very difficult to run a successful company. So it is, it is as, as you know, as you know, yeah, <laughs> it's very difficult to run a company that's not successful too. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, uh, I was going to introduce this new section this new uh, this new little section of our podcast, it's going to be called Comment Section. Do you have some kind of, uh, you know... Do you want to play like, some kind of music beforehand? Do you have beforehand? some kind of music or maybe a little like... Doo -doo -doo -doo. <laughs> I don't know, some kind of like announcement? So this is going to be a new segment where we come in and we, we're going to go through some comments that we've had on our Facebook page and respond to them on the podcast. So you should go and comment on any of our things on our Facebook page and maybe your comment will get read 
uh, on one of our podcasts sometime. We hope. Because yeah. there's thousands of them. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, um, oh wow, this one got a lot more comments. Hold on, let me. So I did a video, I put a video out this morning of me talking about the deficit and I asked people what they would do to basically fix the deficit, fix the fact that we keep running in the negative every single year. Are we going to have to cut Social Security? Are we going to have to cut Medicare? Are we going to have to cut the military? Are we going to have to cut a whole lot of other things? You know, what are we going to have to do? Are we just going to have to raise taxes? So I, I, Pose that question on our Facebook today, and a lot of people responded. Now, this one person, this this one uh, this one person responded with. Remember, I was asking about the deficit. This person said, "Did you mean to say debt? Because the deficit is irrelevant. The debt is a national emergency." That's what that person said. Huh. They said the deficit is irrelevant. We need to talk about the debt. Well. <laughs> It's like, uh, it's just, how, how, <laughs> how do we get the debt? <laughs> How's the debt oh, accumulated? Um, so the question I have was, how are you going to pay down the debt if you're still running in a negative every single year? Right. You know, that that's a simple question. If you keep putting more and more money on your credit card and you're not making enough money to pay that, I mean... The fact that you have all the debt, yeah, that's an issue, but you got to fix the fact that you keep running in the deficit first. Like, what money are they going to put on the debt? This person says, ignore the deficit. We need to talk about the debt. Yeah. Like, what money are they going to put on the debt? They're going to have to borrow money to put money on the debt. Well, I will say he didn't finish because, you know, obviously, if you just focus on the debt, the one thing you have to do is rein in spending. Yeah. Without getting in any new revenue in or any new theft in, uh, the only way to do it is to cut spending, um, which inherently lowers the deficit. Obviously, because you're you're paying out less or paying out less now than you're taking in. So automatically, the deficit goes deficit goes to zero or it goes to the positive. Um, I will say on here, most people got it right. Um, there are a few people that said, hey, the only way to fix it is you have to get rid of the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you something. We have a Republican-controlled Senate, a Republican presidency who signs the budget, um, and we are running record deficits. So it's not just the Democrats. It's both. Yeah. There are <clears> – <throat> it's both sides that are doing this. Now, we'll say historically the Democrats have spent a lot more, but now the Republicans aren't trying to hide it anymore. They're spending just as much, if not more money, just on different things. Yeah. Yeah. One person uh, above that comment, um, their solution was to their solution was to vote Republican. And like Charlie just said, I mean, that's not showing as a solution right now at, yeah. at all. Like, I understand your sentiment behind that and that conservatives are supposed to be fiscally conservative. But it's not just an automatic fix that we have conservatives in office because we just had two years of them having control over everything. And like Charlie said, the, Trump has to sign off on a budget. So that's not fixing anything. So don't just act like, oh, we have Republicans, therefore we fix the deficit. That's not the case. The deficit keeps going up. I think somebody got it almost spot on. I'm going to call her out. Mary Gill. She said, I think just about every aspect of government could use some revision and trimming down to be made more cost efficient. Yeah. Amazing. Now, someone said, 
we can't, you know, we can't cut anything from Social Security and Medicare. Those can't be counted as things that are, that are part of the deficit because those are things that we paid into. I get that. I get the fact that you paid into it for your entire life. What am I going to say in 30, 40 years? Is someone just supposed to keep financing me off of, off of their money? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to get Social Security or Medicare. The other thing is you're saying those aren't part of the deficit. Yeah, they are because we're taking in less money than we're paying out. Right. So they are part of the deficit. Um, so we could say somehow like, okay, you can get the money back that you paid in, I guess. Yes. The issue uh, is their social programs, meaning people who didn't pay into them, maybe they were unemployed the entire li- their entire lives. They're still getting the they benefits. They still get the benefits. Right. So your some of what you paid in is going to other people. Yeah, I mean, the way to fix it is to, to get rid of them, number yeah. one, um, and then start to give people their money back and uh, cut a lot more spending to make up for the fact that we have to give people their money back. You have to fa- have. You'd have to phase it out slowly over time. Um, you have to remember, we've said it before, but the uh, Social Security was, when it was enacted, where you get your benefits at, what, 62, 64, something like that? 65, I think. Uh, 65. You get your benefits at 65. Uh, at the time that that law was enacted, the average lifespan of a human being was 52 years. So it was literally only for people that somehow lived far past the average lifespan right. at that point in time. Now our average lifespan has obviously increased. It's well above 65 now. It's 81? Yeah, 82? something like that for women and then like men are 79 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so, we die sooner. Yeah, probably because all the stress <laughs> we're put under from women, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, no, so. Every day. So don't act like the social, when social security was enacted, it was not meant for, for it to be a retirement program for you to live the rest of your life off of social security was to help people once they got to an age where they clearly could not work anymore. And then they had to have something to live off of for the few remaining years of their life or months. Yeah. Now the, yeah. If you happen to make it there, the problem is now you start taking them at 65 and most people are going to take those benefits for 10 years at least or 20 that was never the plan now it's most people take it for 10 or 20 years at that point in time almost no one took it and it was only for like a year so very very different plans we have to phase this out over time i'm not saying that we should just stop social security right now i would propose a plan that went something like if you're currently 40 or older then you're going to get social security uh just like you've always been promised your whole life uh, maybe we'll allow you to start making tax-free investments into your own into your own retirement plan. I'm just talking about the phase out right now because mm-hmm. I don't think it's right to have an entire generation of people grow up with the promise of social security and then not give it to them later in life. Right. And so when, if you make this plan and say you're like 55 and all of a sudden you say, oh, you're not going to get any social security, we're like, well... I just lived my I just lived most of my life with you telling me that I was going to get this. Like I didn't make any plans. I paid into it. I paid into it. I didn't make any plans for anything else. Like uh, plus you would barely let me anyway cuz you were taking so much of my money. Like so so those people they still receive social security. Now, for the other people, uh the young people, you we got to start phasing this out. We got to start phasing it out and we're going to take it on. We're going to take it on the chin for a little bit because we're probably going to keep paying the tax for it to pay for the people that I just said still need to receive it uh, through the phase out. But what we need to have the ability to do is or to, we can find somewhere to cut. 
Yeah, we oh, there's still plenty of other places to yes. cut. Yeah, yep. I'm just I'm very very laying out a very simple policy proposal right now. But uh, so for like us, what I would say is we need to be able to start tax free savings accounts or retirement accounts, mm-hmm. and that that needs to be a very very easy process. And we should be able to put a mm-hmm. lot more money than what's the, I think it's five thousand five hundred dollars. Like what in, you can contribute into, a year. Yeah, um, into an IRA or or uh, no well, IRA is taxed money. So um, whatever, 401k. We need, yeah, we need to be able to set up our own tax-free retirement account so we can start planning on how we're going to retire without the government taking money from that account throughout our entire lives. And it's on you. This is the whole responsibility yeah. part of the podcast. If you don't plan for it, that's on you. Yeah. Now, whose responsibility is that? It's it's on someone else, I think. And if you have somebody in your family that can't do it, well, that's on you too. Because yeah. it, you should be responsible for yourself and your family. And so if somebody in your family is not capable, let's say, or they are not uh, willing or able to do it, if, if they want to retire or they're unable to work when they get older, that's on you, too, to take care of your family. So that's the responsibility. If we all just took responsibility for ourselves and our family, what a wonderful world it would be. Now, we also got some flack for suggesting the evil, evil suggestion that there could be money to cut out of the military budget. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, th- I think I saw somebody, leave our military alone. Yeah. Now people do the same thing. You know when you talk about cutting, uh, just say, welfare benefits, they're like, well, I'm in a wheelchair and I can't work and I'm just going to end up dying. Like, I'm not talking about cutting benefits for handicapped people. Like right. no one's taught you're going to a like, very small percentage yeah, of the population. You're going to like the most emotional pinpointed argument that you can go to to try and make an argument about uh, argument about this. And so people do the same thing with the military. When you say, Oh, we could cut the military budget a little bit. They're like, well, what about the troops? And we can't, you know, these are people over there that are fighting for our freedom and everything. Guys, what the men and women in the armed services are getting paid is like 3% of the military budget. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like nothing compared to what's in the military. The department budget. of the department of defense loses $3 trillion and no one bats an eye. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like, it's probably oh, more yeah. than that. Yeah. we got a few trillion that we can't even account for where it went, but it's, yeah, there's no fraud or abuse or waste in our, in our budget whatsoever. But our generals are living in mansions. <laughs> I've been to them before. There's a, <laughs> yeah. they're nice mansions. I, I've been there. I'm not saying the generals don't do a great job, but yeah, um, <laughs> We, uh, you know, it's funny. They get out of the military, and then they they're consultants for the yeah. for the Department of Defense contractors, and but, they're making lots of money. But what I'm saying is, we there's there's waste in the budget. I mean, first off, we got like 800 military bases around the world. We don't need all or of them. Or 900. We've got a lot of military bases spread out among almost 200 countries, and we're on one hand talking about how those countries should be paying for their own defense. And on the other, talking about how we have to pay for those countries' defense. And those two do not go hand in hand, even though you're making the argument for both of them at the same time. First off, so if you're a Trump supporter, you're like, oh, they need to be paying for their defense. And you're like, oh, we have to keep our bases over there for defense. No, th- no, that's not. Th- those are those are opposing ideologies right yes. there. So that's one thing. We could cut some military bases. The other thing is just waste and things that we that we pay for. You know, we, um, I did not pull up the actual reports from it, but there were, um, there were reports, basically the, the DOD was sending new parts for these planes that like they didn't even use over there. And the general was saying, we don't need these parts. Like, you know, send us 
something better for the troops or send us, you know, pay us a little bit more money or send us this. We need this to make our living quarters better. And they're like, ah, oh, no, you need these parts for the plane. <laughs> they're like, oh, we have entire warehouses of extra parts that are just never going to get used right. on these planes. And it's because of the contracts. We that, even have extra parts for planes that have been decommissioned. Yeah. Like, we don't even fly them anymore. Literally planes have- that we don't even use billions of dollars worth of parts yeah i I keep i always forget the uh, name of that plane with the uh you know it's got the propellers it can take off vertically and then the propellers go forward and take off so those are planes that we like barely use at all and we're still shipping over like warehouses full of parts for those planes overseas oh they need to be fixed and the 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 literally generals have sent in letters saying like we i appreciate it but we do not need this we need you to send money for this instead the problem is they work out these contracts with these companies like lockheed and ge all these companies boeing boeing all these companies that that make all these parts and supply all these things where they get their lobbyists into congress and they make sure that we buy a certain amount of those products to ship over and that becomes part of the military budget those are things i'm talking about need to be cut. We don't need $5,000 toilet seats for people in the military. You know, we don't, we don't need things like this. So I'm not okay with just deciding that there's no money that can be cut out of the military budget whatsoever. I don't think that's the case. So we, we need to at least be open to that. First off, here's a, uh, I, this is just what I pulled up on a quick Google Osprey search. was the name of the uh, plane. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah. Quick Google search. Here's a leaked audit. Boeing overcharged Army up to 177,000% on helicopter spare parts. So uh, $644.75 for a small gear, smaller than a dime, that sells for $12.51. Yeah. More than a 5,100% increase on price. $1,678.61 for another tiny part, also smaller than a dime, that could have been bought within the D- within the DOED for $7.71. A 21,000% increase. It's just like, uh, here's another one, $71.01 for a straight, thin metal pen that the DOD had on hand, unused by the tens of thousands for four cents, an increase of over 177,000%. So all these helicopter parts that the DOD already actually had that somehow Boeing was able to charge the army. For. And that's, you know, this is something that goes on inside of all of the departments. I used to work when I was flipping houses in Nashville. I used to work with a guy who uh, would build houses for HUD, the housing urban development. So they would build, what is that, Section 8 housing. Mm-hmm. And he told me stories about how, he would go to put a roof on a house, and when he went to put the roof on the house, he was the eighth person to put a roof on the new house at that point in time. So it's something they do inside of the Section 8 housing is they will co- have all these contractors come do things, and then another contractor will come to the person who's making the budget for the house and say, hey, uh, there's something wrong with that roof. we got to do a new one. And then another, the next contractor will say, hey, there's something wrong with that roof. we got to do another one with a little bit of money. Because they the have table. to spend the whole budget. Yeah. So they keep doing this. And a house in Section 8 housing can end up having like 10 roofs put on it before anyone ever moves, moves into it. Simply just through fraud and waste. You're telling me that that does not happen in the Department of Defense? In the private market? That's called money laundering. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> called a lot of it's called theft is what it yes. is. Yeah, it's called theft. If you want to know how to money launder, that's money launder. That's one of the best ways to do it. Construction's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. What do you? Just... Why do you think I was doing it? You know, 
That's why. That's what got me into it. Yeah. No. Um, it's a good way to do it. I mean, think about it though, because you keep, you know, a roof that costs what? Let's say it's ten thousand dollars for the roof. Well, if you do it ten times, that's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. All that dirty money, that's now clean. So I'm still trying to get this person <laughs> to answer the question, by the way, on the Facebook, because he keeps, I keep asking, it was the guy who What's said, his name? Um, I don't remember, it was a really long first name. Give a first name. Um, Ricky. It was like Edward or something like that. Edward, answer the damn question. He he keeps going on. I, so he said, the deficit doesn't matter. We have to tackle the debt. Now he says deficit doesn't matter, probably because he's a Trump supporter and he doesn't like talking about how our deficits keep going up. Probably. So he's decided in his mind that deficits don't matter. What we have to talk about is the debt because most of the debt was put there by Barack Obama. So now he wants to talk about the debt, not the deficit. And the problem is, I keep saying, okay, we have a deficit, and you're saying we need to talk about the debt. How are we going to pay down the debt? What money do you plan on us using to pay down the debt while we're not paying attention to the deficit? Right. That's literally impossible. You cannot pay down the debt until you first eliminate the deficit. That's not that hard to understand. Well, it is, apparently. Let me put it in simple terms. You have a credit card. Yeah. Okay. And there's $100 on that credit card. Mm-hmm. Okay, you um, take in a hundred dollars a month, but all your bills add up to one hundred and ten dollars a month. That's not good. So you pay all of your bills. You're left with negative ten dollars, and your debt is a hundred dollars. How are you paying down the debt with your negative ten dollars? You can't. You can't. You can't. If you continue <laughs> to spend more money, so you're well, well, well. So you're you're at a deficit of ten dollars. Yeah. And your debt's a hundred. Now the hundred's bigger than the ten, and we we understand that. Yeah. But now the point is, if you keep having to put money on the credit card every single month, you can't just decide that you're just going to tackle your debt and not tackle the point that you're spending more money than you're taking in. You have to have a positive. What money are you going to use? This guy is saying, oh, we need to put money towards the debt. What money are you going to put towards the debt? You're going to have to borrow money in debt to put towards the debt. Edward, (laughs) there's no money. Listen. Uh, This guy's pushing my pay. This is a good example of trying to keep your cool and to be non-combative with someone. And I'm just trying to get him to answer a question. My last question was, what money do you propose we use to pay down the debt? That's the question. Answer it. Listen. Let me put this in simple terms for you, Edward. If you have five rocks, <laughs> yet you owe 10 rocks, where are you going to get the other five rocks? <laughs> I hope I hope that breaks it down for him better. Let me put this in s- simple terms. <laughs> oh. You, you want to trade one ear of corn, but the person you want the the (laughs) hedge of ham from (laughs) he wants two ears of corn but you only have one yeah now how are you going to get two you have a one ear of corn (laughs) deficit that you need to take care of so before you can pay your well well, actually the guy already gave you the ham so now you're in debt yeah well the problem is you already owed two ears of corn to someone else exactly at the same time (laughs) so so you need to be a better farmer where are you going to get the other ear of corn? Yeah. I'm trying to put it back in like, this is Native American land, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Just, there's no money. Technically just, all of this is Native American land. <laughs> yeah. We're just trading. This is called barter, you know? So when you're in debt, like you have to be able to have an, a surplus. 
Yeah. Not a deficit. You have to have to a pay that debt. You have to get yourself into a yearly surplus before you can start paying down the debt. Yeah. You need three years of corn, actually. That way you pay the two that you owe. To that you, person, yeah. And you got one left over to eat yeah. with your ham. Because who wants ham without an ear of corn? <laughs> no one, Edward. <laughs> no one likes that. Is it sweet corn at least? Yes. Okay, good. You put a little butter on it. Well, where are you going to get the butter? <laughs> You have to have a surplus. Debt. Debt. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, that was our first I, edition of comment section. I tried to break it down. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got a couple other comments that I'm saving for a good day, too. So we're over an hour now. So we'll oh, call okay. it. We can call it. We can call it. Um, guys, you have to go follow us on Instagram. You must. I compel you. I'm going to coerce you to follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Instagram is the future. It is. Go to Twitter. We know really, I think, like... What are kids using nowadays, like TikTok or something like that? I have no idea. Snapchat, I guess. Is that still a thing? I get made fun of for using Facebook. I've been thinking honestly. about recently. I like, turned 31 today, by the way. It is your birthday. Yeah. I literally forgot to say that when we started. Wow. Yeah. Man. Nate and I have been friends for a very long time. Yeah. But I don't think I told you happy birthday in June anyway, so. I've seen many birthdays from you. Yeah. A lot of them. Yep. So, um, guys, follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Follow us on Twitter at Good AM Liberty. We are starting to use that a little bit now. Uh, go to Facebook. Find us. It is Good Morning Liberty. And go to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop to get you some nice shirts, okay? And we if still you, have a promo code available, yeah, by the way. Yeah, use the promo code podcast if you want to get 20% off your shirt order. Now, if you're in a deficit <laughs> and you are 20% short of buying a shirt... Yeah. We just gave you the answer. There you go. Use promo code podcast. Again, uh, gmlconnect.com. That'll get you everywhere you need to go for everything that we have. We have a, a gun giveaway. So you guys enter that contest, all the rules and regulations that apply. Uh, just read all that. Um, read the rules. There's rules on there. And uh, enter that contest and buy yourself a shirt to go along with it. That shall not be infringed. Yeah. To go along with your gun that you're going to win. So make sure you enter that. And we hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.